Hello and welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I'm here with a very special guest today, Michael Nimitz. He is an entrepreneur, uh, an opportunity to ambassador. Did I get that right? Opportunity ambassador, I guess that's... Opportunity not to, yeah, I know that just didn't make sense. I'm going to start this all over again. Okay. Yeah, opportunity ambassador. I don't know how I did that. All right. Hello and welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I have a very special guest today, Michael Nimitz. He is an entrepreneur, an uh, opportunity ambassador, a volunteer coordinator of Anarchapoco and who also lives in uh, Acapulco. I was going to say Anarchapoco. <laughs> and I'm super, super, yeah, yeah. Super excited to have him here. I'll just say for those of you who are tuning in right now that you're definitely in the right place if you're looking to find King Heroes, this is a gathering of King Heroes. I'm creating an army of King Heroes because the earth now so badly, more than ever, needs them. Uh, these are men that are willing to step out and sometimes say the thing that nobody wants to say, to be strong, to get stronger, and to show up in a leadership position so that others can get some direction in their life at important times. This is also really amazing for the women in my life who are looking for King Heroes, looking for the comfort of knowing that there are strong men who are innovating solutions out there for others. So thank you very much, Michael, for joining me today. It's really a pleasure to have you here. It's, it's my pleasure as well, Beth. I, I really appreciate your work and everything that you do. And certainly the fact that you came to Anarchapoco this year is uh, you know, uh, something that I really appreciate because I, I really feel like we've got to you know, come together and uh, learn from each other. You know, uh, there's there's all kinds of problems in the world, all kinds of of things going wrong, and uh, we need to become problem solvers. And uh, I, I certainly consider myself a problem solver, but you know, to be a problem solver, you need solutions, and uh, uh, the, you know, we need a, a bunch of solutions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, it was really amazing to, I can't honestly can't thank you enough for the work that you do to keep an Acapulco running. I can't even imagine what my life would look and feel like right now if I hadn't gone because it was such a lock and key fit with the, the quality of community and the mission, so many entrepreneurs and forward moving people and uh, just taking enormous risks that gave me a lot of courage to take more risks myself. So thank you for your work in that. Do you want to say a little bit more about yourself and, and uh, how you came into this role in the first place? What inspired you to get into it and to maybe even to live in Acapulco? Sure. Well, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, you know, I call myself an opportunity ambassador, but you could consider that maybe a coach or a consultant. Uh, I am a kind of a wannabe author. Um, I've got a, a book in mind that I've been working on for quite a few years now. I call it ethical emergence. And, um, uh, you know, I, I hope that that's kind of a, almost a, uh, an area of study to some degree, because I don't feel like I've got all the solutions, but it's the solutions that I've come along with that I've experienced that as, you know, is, is essentially a part of the influences and, and people that I've run into through my journey. And, um, uh, but you know, just to give you a brief uh, 
little understanding of who I am. I was born in Gary, Indiana, which is just outside of Chicago. Um, that was a, at the time it was a steel mill town. And uh, unfortunately, in my childhood, I grew up during the kind of the downfall of that industry. And we had like, uh, you know, incredible unemployment and, and uh, uh, you know, chaos essentially going on because the industry, you know, lost probably 90% of the employees that were employed in, a, you know, major industry in the area. Uh, just, uh, you know, it, it changed everything almost overnight. But uh, I also got, uh, you know, a real good influence from my father. My father uh, uh, was a Marine and, and uh, when he got back from Vietnam, uh, I think he really appreciated what life was about. And so he went out and, and really tried to tackle it. And so he raced motorcycles. And, and so, uh, you know, as a, as a really young child, I saw him racing motorcycles and I said, that's, I want to do that too, you know? And, and so that, uh, that kind of, a, a experience, I think really influenced me in a really particularly positive way. And that was, you know, if you're going to be fast, if you're going to win the race, you've got to, you've got to be able to manage risk and, and also confront your fears. And so for me, that was one in, in which he really did help me greatly because he was, you know, he was there beside me when I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm too afraid to tackle this obstacle, but I, but I want to win, you know, and he, he said, well, you know, let's practice, you know, let's, and so he was, he did that, you know, but unfortunately my parents got divorced and things changed and, um, you know, my life changed tremendously. And, and so I had, a, uh, you know, I had to make some early decisions in my life of where I was going to go. And uh, that meant I joined the army the day that I was 17. <laughs> I turned 17 and joined the army. And, um, you know, kind of, I, I really wanted to get into my adult life. And uh, unfortunately, I just would describe it as a, a bit of a mistake, or at least a misunderstanding of what that adventure was, but it did uh, make a, a great deal of difference in my life, which uh, eventually I got out of the army. Um, I, I say that I was actually drafted uh, because uh, after I did my, my tour and my time in the army, uh, the desert storm came along and I got drafted back into the army for the desert storm uh, you know, endeavor. But um, that did actually teach me a lesson about dealing with government. Um, after the uh, after the army, I, I kind of started, uh, you know, uh, trying to get back into a regular life. Unfortunately, I was a, a, a tanker as a as a army member, and that really doesn't give you a whole lot of skills in the outside world. And so I had to pretty much start over again. But I did start going to school at night and eventually into college. And, uh, you know, I graduated from Purdue University with a degree in uh, construction management sure. and, uh, and did extremely well in that. In fact, uh, I really, that was like, you know, my fish into the water kind of circumstance. I was really passionate <laughs> about the business and, uh, you know, it just it fit me well. And then I've, I really kind of fit in uh, 
uh, or the, the timing that I had was perfect in, in so many different ways. I just got really lucky. And so I was able to uh, really succeed in a lot of ways and, <clears throat> and make things happen that, uh, you know, really boosted my career. And uh, I marched up the ladder uh, to being uh, involved with one of the largest companies, uh, A&E development companies in the world. And uh, was really kind of setting on, sitting pretty in that circumstance. But I hated, I hated the organization and I hated the, the way that we did business and who we did business with because I, I was starting to feel that, you know, there's something wrong here, you know. It seems like <clears throat> all the things that we're doing don't actually make progress, but actually like take advantage of other people. And, uh, you know, it, it just got to the point that I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, retire, essentially. And so I retired um, from the business. Uh, I wasn't even in my 40s yet. Uh, and though I really felt strongly about, and I still to this day love the idea of project management, but uh, um, it is in the in the real world as we call it today. It's it's insane, you know, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And uh, you know, I I felt like I tried to make as much of an impact as I could about uh, trying to. Uh, you know, impact people in a, like a peer to peer kind of circumstance, but, uh, that, that, that isn't the way it's organized, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it just goes counter to a lot of the things that, um, you know, just everybody assumes and, uh, you know, battling that all the time, you know, does cause a lot of stress and a, and a lot of effort that uh, I just, I finally just said, you know, the hell with it. But at that time, I didn't really understand, you know, my philosophy or, uh, you know, what is actually going on in the world. I had a lot of things that I was confused about that I had observed through my, all my experiences. And I just didn't understand. I just kind of filed it away in the back of my head and said, all right, well, I don't understand that, but I'm going to, I've got this to do or that to do. And, uh, so giving myself that opportunity to retire and I had myself a nice little nest egg, I took a great deal of time to just uh, understand, understand a lot of things that I didn't understand. And so um, I, I stumbled across Ron Paul and then, you know, a lot of the different things on the internet and, you know, all the rabbit holes that people describe went down a lot of those and uh, eventually ended up you know, going to Anarchapoco in 2015. And uh, as soon as I got here, it was, you know, the, the, the kind of people that I had, um, you know, just always wanted to be a part of the, the, the kind of people that I thought was at the top, you know, but, uh, you know, are, aren't, unfortunately. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I've really kind of like rededicated my life to understanding this philosophy and, uh, you know, it's one in which now I'm, I'm really starting to uh, kind of eke out my own expertise in the areas of leadership and ethics and organization and, you know, how to get things done and how to succeed and how to build those things into daily habits and practices that people can use to 
you know, actually get done what they want to get done. I, I think most business people and, and even, you know, the very intellectual people don't actually, you know, they, they, the potential that they have is incredible, but it's still only like five or 10% of what they really could achieve. And it's because they don't understand in a lot of cases, they don't understand, you know, how to lead and, and what that role is that leadership is or how to organize people so that, you know, that they do, uh, you know, get that kind of win-win results that, that people want. And, and, and just communicating, for example, is one in which, uh, you know, so many people struggle with. And unfortunately, the way things are going with technology, we're not going in the right direction. We're going towards more misunderstanding because all of these artificial forms of communication are actually, you know, less natural and don't give us the opportunity to communicate the way that we naturally communicate, which is, you know, primarily nonverbal. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, you know, even though we can see each other, um, it's, you know, the, the kind of nonverbal body language and all the other things that uh, take place, um, you know, are, are kind of missing to some degree. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's an, another area of emphasis, but I hope I didn't go on too long. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a little bit about me. No, that's good. That's great. And so in eking out that, that uh, role as, as leader, it's, it's my experience that it doesn't come without its trials and tribulations. Of course, every stage of life has its challenges. How do you handle the, um, the tribulations that come up around leadership with people following you and maybe putting you on a pedestal and making you out to be somebody that you might actually not even be or blaming you when things don't go right? Uh, how do you manage all of that and what makes it worth it for you? to manage it well you know in regard to leadership i i had you know again it was a lucky experience but i was uh kind of situated as a gunner on a on a lieutenant's tank you know a platoon leader's tank and so in that circumstance i got to see a lot of different leadership styles as i um, went through my regular army service i, I got to see uh, you know what are like west point cadets and OTC uh, officers and, uh, you know, all the other ROTC officers and stuff like that. I got to see a lot of different uh, leadership styles. And so as an enlisted man, I, I, I really got to experience who does, who is leading best. And, and really it isn't the way that, uh, you know, it, the, the functional system, the, the power hierarchy of a, of a military organization is one in which is designed to carry out orders. It's not to deliver feedback or, you know, get like a group vote or anything like that or do the most creative thing. It's that follow orders is, is number one. But even in that circumstance, the leaders that, that were absolutely excellent at doing their job and getting things done as well as improving each, you know, each of the members, uh, you know, lives and existence and, and opportunity and ability to utilize their own skills was one in which they understood 
you know, a peer-to-peer -peer relationship that each person has roles and responsibilities and they, they essentially took responsibility for their roles and their responsibilities and asked the other people to do the same. And those were the leaders that really, you know, made it happen. And so then as I moved into my career and I became a project manager and I took on larger and larger projects, I had to um, manage people. And I, I took that kind of role. I, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, take on the, 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 the authority position. I basically told all the teams that I had, you know, that these are the roles that I'm playing and here's the responsibilities that I have. I'm going to watch you know, you watch my back and I'll watch yours if you take on these things. And, you know, amazing things happen doing that. You know, I had projects that were, you know, totally impossible that no other project manager would take because they were just so screwed up and, and you know, destroyed. And I would come in and I would get everybody together and I would talk to them about like, what is the plan? And, and we, you know, might have some different team meetings and some collaborations and stuff like that. But, you know, within sometimes weeks, sometimes months, we would get the, we would get the situation handled. And, and that's, you know, when it comes to, I consider myself a problem solver, but the, the reality is, is problem solving is a group activity. And uh, I, I believe that's stronger and stronger. And, and certainly that's one of the reasons I'm in Mexico is because their whole culture kind of embodies that. And it just, it excites the, it excites the heck out of me. And it's, it's one of the reasons that I say, you know, Mexico and in particular Acapulco is one in which, uh, you know, I think it is like the most, most beautiful pinnacle of fertile ground that we have available on this planet because it's that way. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And have you ever had a moment in your life where things fell down? Kings often have crashes because of the heaviness of the responsibility in their life. Is, was there a time that that happened and how did you get to the other side of it? Certainly. Yeah, I've, I've had a, a couple of those where people just, uh, you know, like I, I made a decision. Luckily, I made a decision when I was young uh, and, and had to deal with the consequences. <laughs> which was joining the army. And, uh, you know, that made it really clear to me, man, you've got to really be, you know, especially when you're dealing with the government or signing your name to contracts and stuff that you've got to be really, you know, got to do your due diligence and, and understand that. But then a couple years into my army career, I decided that, uh, you know, uh, I was going to make a decision about whether I was going to make the army a career or I wasn't. And when that decision transpired and I said, no, I'm not going to be in the army. I'm going to do my time and I'm going to leave. And, uh, you know, they, there was, everybody just couldn't accept it because, uh, you know, I was an exceptional soldier. Uh, you know, it seemed like I was a natural at doing that job, but I didn't want to do it. I just, I, you know, and so, uh, you know, I was, it was my decision and I made it. And that was, you know, my answer whenever anybody asked me, you know, and they tried to, you know, to influence me to change my mind and, uh, you know, but they, they couldn't. And, uh, and for me, that's one that, uh, you know, was really a, a powerful statement about myself that I made 
early and it made me feel so much better you know <laughs> the, the longer i went on and then you know later in my life and, and certainly when my, i ended my project management construction career again people said man you're a natural at this you know uh, we'll pay you you know large six figures to just come and take care of these projects and stuff and i was like you know no not going to do it I, you know i've got other things in mind that i want to do with my life i don't want to just work my life away i want to actually make it meaningful and as far as i was concerned i'm just you know cranking out widgets and that's not going to make me satisfied you know that's not going to uh, you know it's not going to put a smile on my face and 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 really i think a lot of people that are career orientated have problems with uh, uh, you know being able to live a balanced and harmonious life with the different roles that they have and I, in that particular situation I was in one in which my career came first and everything else came second and it was you know detrimental to my to my life where I you know I was really I was a child I was an infant in other areas of my life because I just I was so focused on my career you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost always the uh, you know the health falls apart relationship falls apart there might be a very strong like you say in, in a career path because that's more of a more you know normal route to go and it's very supported whereas looking after your health and your relationships is not as well supported. So uh, yeah, no, that's very common. How do you, how do you feel like your, what you're doing right now is, is a fit with your life purpose? Do you, do you think in those terms? Yeah. When you, you know, um, uh, luckily you prepped me with these questions. So I got a great <laughs> answer, <laughs> which is they fit like a glove. You know, I, mm -hmm. I am living the life that I want. Amazing. It is one in which it gives me a great deal of power. I live in the place that I want to live. I, I don't, I, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, the house that I live in today is the house that I'll live in forever. You know, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll die here because mm. it's the place I want to be. It's like my power spot. You know, it's like my throne. And so, uh, I, love I am absolutely, uh, you know, excited about the life that I have. Not to say that, you know, it doesn't need to improve. It does. It, it's, uh, I'm, I'm learning every day and, uh, you know, I'm definitely not satisfied with where I am. I want to go, you know, I, 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 I've got like Mount Everest to climb still mm -hmm. to some degree in regard to the goals that I have. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I really feel like it isn't about really the goal so much as incorporating those those ideals into my daily life in a way that, you know, eventually I'm going to get them because I'm practicing being the person that I want to be and, and where I want to be and just refining that practice to be be that person is is kind of the task at hand that I that I'm you know, dealing with every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. Um, something I like to talk about in these interviews that is just such a big elephant in the room for society that the way that men and women 
work together and unfortunately against each other in the world the that that physical relationship between men and women and also the more esoteric side of it being the masculine and feminine archetypes how do you see it when you look out and the way that people have um, got into their roles what's what's your take on all of that and and yeah, what so do you think that's a big area and it's, it's one in which uh, in some ways I feel like I'm a, a master in other ways I feel like I'm just a complete idiot you know when it comes to some <laughs> of the things because I am I'm 51 years old and I'm a bachelor I've been a bachelor my whole life I've had some long-term relationships but unfortunately you know uh, they've been uh, troubled in many different ways and you know looking back as myself when I was you know in my 20s and 30s, I was just, you know, a complete idiot <laughs> in a lot of different ways. And I, I really, I think I contributed to screwing up a lot of people's lives, certainly in as far as uh, my personal life, because I just did not understand what was going on and what I was supposed to be doing. You know, um, I feel like luckily, you know, there's a couple things that I did stumble across that I just kind of accidentally had in my pocket, which was, you know, in regard to male and female relationships, personal relationships was, uh, you know, things like uh, Barry White, for example, you know, uh, the way that he describes like, uh, you know, the loving relationship between a man and a woman is, is really, you know, that, that kind of like ultimate goal, you know, and so like having that, uh, you know, that uh, calm, uh, manly presence in, in the relationship that's supportive, you know, and very uh, protective is something that, um, you know, I think he conveys in music. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there's others, but uh, it, it is one in which, um, you know, I think there are particular roles that, that we need to play that are uh, like for men and for women. And man, when they're played well, uh, it's just magic, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. so, um, but unfortunately, most people are confused. And, and it's, it's been one in which uh, I am uh, a big advocate for being as honest as I can be. In fact, probably brutally honest in a lot of cases. And so that's, uh, uh, I think, you know, to a large degree, I would say my, my failed relationships are my, <laughs> my desire to be honest, but my lack of tact, I think, in regard to how I presented information to get things done. And I'm still working on it. It's so stacked against people also, right? That uh, women have been encouraged to be leaders and be masculine and be like fish out of water in their own skin. And then men are being encouraged to stay at home and change diapers and, um, you know, like they're, they're not in their element. So we've got nobody in their natural roles. That means nobody feels strong. Uh, the number of men who are writing off relationships entirely, like there's a name for them. I keep blocking it when I hear it, but, uh, yeah. and women are like, I don't need a man. I'm, I'm perfectly self-sufficient. Don't open the door for me. And I'm like, open the door for me, please. Could you open the door for me? <laughs> 
but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense to navigate hats off to anybody who has a, a good relationship out there. You're a real role model for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say uh, uh, Becca Sagani, who was one of the other uh, presenters at Anarchapoco this past year, um, you know, she really uh, discovering her in the past few years for me has been one which has uh, reawakened my understanding of, you know, yeah. kind of the feminine as well as, um, you know, the, the real key roles between male and female and how those are played. And man, she just does a wonderful job of, of uh, connecting all those pieces into something that uh, I, I am definitely trying to strive for. And, uh, you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> Good on you. That's great. I'd love to get your take, especially since you are a leader in an organization that identifies with anarchy. This is something that I, you know, as a teenager, definitely identified with. I had the boyfriend with the mohawk and, uh, you know, my first word was no. I was busy railing against the machine, not very effectively or not even effectively at all. But what I noticed from attending the conference is that it's not a bunch of teenagers railing against the machine. It's a bunch of entrepreneurs making real change in the world by their creative power. So how do you see right now the role of whether it's your event in Arcapulco or, or the anarchy movement? What role do you see yourself having right now in this day and age when things are turning by the moment into like, I think there's a U.S. state that's now under martial law. So that has happened. Uh, you know, in, in Manitoba here, we're about to be, I believe today's the announcement. They're going to tell us we can only meet with 10 people at a time. Uh, you know, like it's, it's pretty outrageous what's coming down the line. Unfortunately, don't watch yeah. Jeff Berwick's videos right now. There's, they'll scare the hell out of you. <laughs> So what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, you know, honestly, there, yeah, there, there is a need for a great deal of things. And, and those are the things that we've been kept from and they're pushing us further away from those. And that is, you know, working together, understanding the value of community. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the real, uh, um, you know, direction of, you know, my goals and uh, my understanding of what needs to be done is, uh, you know, we, we do need, you know, we've got leaders, but then we, we don't necessarily have leaders that understand like how to organize, how to, how to actually create the peer to peer relationships and what to do to, you know, make those things happen. And that's kind of the, the, the role that I can play for a lot of different organizations that are trying to strive for you know, this, this mindset and philosophy, which is, you know, to, to basically treat everybody as, as individuals and peers and, and what that actually means. The, the problem is, is, you know, there is so much conditioning and programming when it comes to understanding things like organization, for example, and, and how to organize, we're, we're battling against like complete ignorance you know the only thing we've ever been taught is you know is the top down and you know where the money comes from is the guy that tells us what to do and to uh and, and then all the expertise you know i mean you can see how many uh 
you know, industries have been just totally corrupted by, you know, this organization called government that they don't even, you know, they're, they're again, upside down. You know, the, the medical field, for example, is, you know, is, is you know, almost leading people to their early deaths and, and you know, all kinds of harm and, and sickness and illness. Uh, you know, the, the same thing with the justice system, the legal system, you know, the business, I mean, you know, the, the business leadership in the modern world these days is just pathetic. You know, what, what we call leaders in the business world are, you know, ridiculous. You know, they, they, they blame each other for everything. They're, they're you know, they're, they're just, they don't make any sense. I mean, you know, like I think it's somewhere in the range of 60% of the companies in the Fortune 500 aren't even making any money these days, you know. And this is the, the cream of the crop, you know. I, I just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just absolutely you know, sickened by the, <laughs> the, the leadership in the business world these days and, and how they just kneel to government, you know, to, to get their, you know, their, their check or their income these days. It's, it's really pathetic. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. There's um, no but, value in the system whatsoever. That's yeah. why the economy is, economy is dissolving as it is. There's no value there. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that's why they need to have more control and that's why they need to, to steer people toward, you know, even more weakness is because they're, they're in such a weak position that they, they don't have anything else to do. You know, they, all they can do is try and control. And, and so, you know, it is one that we can, you know, it's not a Rubik's cube that we need to, you know, like a, a infinite Rubik's cube or something. It's relatively simple. And, you know, certainly the, the book that you've written is, has done a lot, I, I think, and, and has mm. a lot of the information that we need to, to, mm. to solve a lot of these problems. Thank you. Appreciate that. What advice would you give to maybe younger leaders that are up and coming who have the energy and the drive and, uh, the courage, but maybe are looking for some pointers along the way, how to avoid pitfalls maybe that, that you fell, fell into. What advice would you give them right now, those young king heroes? Well, this is uh, right, right along the lines. I love this question. Um, it, it, it is right along the lines of what I call my ethical emergence. And I've got a 12-week course that essentially yeah. guides people along the, uh, this way. But uh, oh. Um, what I would say first is start with journaling. Uh, journaling is such an important habit to have. It is so good for you in so many different ways. I, you know, I, would, I could list them for days, all the benefits that journaling has, but definitely start writing stuff down. And then beyond that is, is you know, the really kind of the act of journaling is a form of meditation. But it's, but it's also uh, reflecting regularly, you know, whether it be daily or weekly or monthly or annually, all these, all these should be rituals that, that you establish for yourself that are times to reflect on the person that you are, what you've done, you know, has it been valuable? Has it been harmful? All these things are things that are, are greatly important to understand, you know, where people are going. So many people are busy, but they're busy doing things that aren't important to them. 
you know, mm -hmm. and, and so definitely at least, you know, observing what is important to you and then dedicating a little bit of time to it. If that's what all you got for the, for in the beginning, but really understanding how much energy that gives you to do things that you want to do versus things that, that things that you want to do that are, are good for you that, that, you know, take you closer to being purposeful and, um, uh, that kind of thing. But then also having courage to face, you know, face your own fears and, and be willing to ask questions and look for good answers. You know, um, mm -hmm. uh, so many times, you know, it's, it's like when you're, you know, you're a student in the class and the teacher asks you, you know, does anybody have a question and you've got a burning question, but you know, like you're the only one, nobody else is asking any questions and you, you know, that peer pressure uh, kicks in, ask the question face the fear, ask the question, because mm -hmm. probably everybody wants that question asked. It's just nobody has the courage to do it. And because we've been beaten into in, in this, the, the, the fear and the, the programming and the conditioning have been beaten into us for so long, we're, our perspective is so skewed. Ask the question, you know, mm -hmm. and, and um, in addition yeah, to just, that, uh... <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just hearing how the the current germ th theory that we're working with was developed it hasn't been altered since 1872, right? Like, and so nobody's asked any questions since 1872, or the people that did ask the questions were silenced or outright killed. Uh, I was on Facebook the other day, and I just said, "Hey, medical and science geeks out there, explain to me how something that's not alive could be replicating." And there are, I think at this moment, people are still commenting days later, uh, maybe 150 comments there. And not a single person actually could satisfy me with a, a good answer. And that's medical professionals and scientists and, you know, people highly educated. And then there's a lot of people so triggered at the same time that I would even ask the question, why are you asking? Someone came on and they cussed and they swore at me and then they blocked me and reported me. Uh, you know, it's so, it's so, it's so much a trigger, so insulting to them that I would ask a question, yeah. uh, a hard one as well, that they, it would remind them that they don't have the answer to that question. They don't want to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, the fact that they're having an emotional reaction to a question or some information is an indicator that they, you know, they've, they've got their, they've been traumatized. They've got their, their own uh, blindness that that they need to confront that um, you know probably is related to to the fact that you're willing to to ask question ask that question like that and they can't they they don't have the ability to do that and, and so that's probably what's what's uh, you know what's happening with them yeah there's a, that gatekeep there's that gatekeeper right that's because i did take abuse for asking a simple question so it's teaching everybody oh whatever you do don't ask questions because you're going to get taken yeah. down for that yeah yeah and, and you know this system is is not new this system is so freaking old mm -hmm. it's such an old game it's it's you know it's like checkers you know and but because mm -hmm. we don't even know that we're on a we're playing this game 
that we think we're playing some other game that that you know we don't understand what's actually going on it, it is really our own confidence and the, our confidence comes from us understanding and we can't understand until we you know ask questions and experience things and, and and there again is like the fear of failure is one in which a lot of people stumble on and it's really man failure is wonderful failure is lessons learned failure mm -hmm. is opportunity to you know to be the expert that everybody else needs you know so failing is actually something that's incredibly important and everybody should be out there failing their asses off you know, but gathering information from doing that, you know, and instead we've got everybody like sitting in their corner, you know, and not doing anything and afraid to, to you know, even turn their head now, you know, I mean, it's the, the, the like the level of, of, of ridiculousness is, is incredible, but, you know, at some point it's, it's going to trigger a, a, a need for awareness that I think is 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 hopefully going to stir enough people to, you know, to to make changes. And certainly, I want to lead the lead the pack in, you know, advocating for that. Yeah, you are perfectly positioned for leading other people, and uh, I'm very grateful for your work and your contribution to uh, uh, Inarcapoco, the way that you've been doing it. I'm excited about what you have coming up and and the book that's in you too. So how do people take you up if they would like to work in your program or um, get consulting or coaching with you or how do they connect with an Acapulco? Um, yeah. Or, uh, or if they want to move to Acapulco? Well, I've got a Facebook group and I've got a Telegram group, uh, Anarchapoco 24-7-365 on Facebook. And I think it's Anarchapoco 365 on Telegram. Um, if you want to move to uh, Acapulco or, or uh, understand more about Anarchapoco, obviously Anarchapoco.com is another one. Uh, that's not something I'm affiliated with officially, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it is one of my passions. Um, I'm also involved with a thing called Raising Excellence, which there's a website, RaisingExcellence.live. Uh, I do a podcast three times a week and it's me and five other kind of, trauma therapists and other kinds of uh, therapists and coaches that talk about, uh, you know, uh, different subjects uh, all around kind of psychology and understanding uh, how to do things better and obviously raise your excellence. Um, uh, I am putting together a book and I am trying to put together a website uh, for my courses and stuff like that. I've kind of done it as a, as a word of mouth thing. So at the moment, uh, you just got to send me an email, which is um, Mike, M-I-K-E dot Nimitz, N-I-M-E-T-Z at Gmail. Just send me an email or, uh, or you can find me on uh, Facebook. I think it's Michael Nimitz. Um, just, just connect there and we'll go from there. I, I try and, uh, you know, if somebody's interested, I try and uh, make myself available for a consultation, free consultation, 30, 45 minute, uh, you know, talk about what this situation is. But for the most part, I am looking for, you know, visionary entrepreneurs that want to do 
you know, ethical business. And those people that are doing that, that are, that are trying to do things that are cutting edge, um, you know, I definitely want to help them succeed. And uh, I feel like for most people, for most entrepreneurs, their chances of success are probably in the five to 10% range. And I can bump that up to 80, 90, maybe 95% um, with, with what I've got. So it's, it's worth, it's worth the uh, investment in time and money to do so. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm really trying to help people. And then, um, you know, <clears throat> I've, I've got a couple other things I'm doing as far as like my daily thoughts and stuff like that. I do on BitChute. You can find me uh, Mike on fire on BitChute. Mm -hmm. uh, That's I, great. I do like a daily, you know, thought of the day two or three or four minutes, maybe a, once in a while a rant. Lately, there's been a lot of rants because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. But, uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, I try and try and get out there and get in front of people and, and uh, you know, make an impact. Let people Very know. good. Very good. That's awesome. So we'll put some links in the notes below as well so that you can find Mike and get in, in contact. Thank you so much for joining me for this interview. It's really been a pleasure to hear your story. I never get tired of hearing a King Hero story, how you went from not doing this to doing this, how what you had to overcome in the process and what makes it worth it for you. That, that always inspires me. So much appreciated. Uh, my, it's my pleasure, Beth. And, um, you know, um, I really, really, really appreciate your work. I, I love the book. I haven't completely completed it yet, of course, but... Uh, I, I think you've got some incredibly valuable stuff and, and some incredibly valuable understandings of things that could really unlock so much for so many people. And so it's really a pleasure to connect with you. And, uh, you know, if there's anything I can do for you or any of the people that you know, please let me know. I will be there. Mm, thank you. Wow, that does my heart a lot of good. I so appreciate that shout out. If you're interested in reading a copy of my book, which I feel it was divine timing, because if I hadn't presented, I, I got a late invitation to present at Anarchapulco, and that was the impetus to finish that book for the conference. And honestly, the shit hit the fan after. I'm not sure I would be finishing my book right now. So I'm super grateful to have had that opportunity to, to do it. And, uh, and I am getting excellent feedback, even from people who said they've done personal development work their whole entire life and they didn't even expect to like the book. They just bought it because they want to be nice <laughs> and they're getting super great results Wonderful. In, in transformation. So yes, I, I appreciate that so much. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing to have your work received in the way that you expect or, or hope. Well, you know, it's, it, it stands on its own, man. It's, it's, mm. It's awesome, and I, I imagine it's only going to get better from here. So mm. looking forward to that as well. Just the, just the beginning, exactly, exactly. So if you also would like to find out the, the way that Michael did, that he's a uh, king on the hero's journey, and you want to see where you are on your path of purpose, not who you are, because I trust that if you've been listening to these interviews and following these conversations, that you are one of those king heroes in the making or merpreneur who wants to get out and be valued for your purpose to do the thing that you're meant to do for the sake of the freedom for everybody involved on this earth. 
then you can just take five or 10 minutes, fill out those questions, you get instant results on your screen. And then you're also welcome to sign up to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. I'm sorry, I can't offer every single person who applies one of those sessions, but if it looks like a fit, I will definitely book with you to see if there is somewhere you need to get to that you either need to go faster or for one reason or another, you can't go on your own because we are here for each other. That's what humanity is. We are not individual like lions in our prides. We are meant to be connected and contribute to one another's goodness and have a good life. This is something that I'm committed to seeing in my lifetime as well. Thank you everyone for giving your time and attention. I know how extremely valuable it is. Please like and share this video, subscribe if you haven't already, and take the time to connect with Mike because he's a really awesome guy. And last thing I'll say is my goal is definitely to live in Acapulco. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you're welcome yeah. here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye for now, everyone. Bye-bye. Very good. That was awesome.